And this is the old Trailblazer broadcast. This is Pastor Albert Pendarvis, the old Trailblazer, picking up the broadcast for the old Trailblazer, original Trailblazer. Pastor Shelton left there many years ago, riding forth on old Dan, blazing the path of the hearts of sinners. And we're here now picking up those messages and bringing you, Thus saith the Lord. It's been great being with you this past few days, and we're studying the sovereignty of God. Isn't that a gracious subject? Did you know our Lord is sovereign? He doesn't ask you or me what he should do with his universe, what he should do with anything, my friend. He didn't ask you when he flung the stars out into the heavens what your opinion was. No, God is sovereign, and uh, that man won't have it. The average man hates the sovereignty of God, the election of God, the predestination of God, and ridicules it. No, listen, folks, God is sovereign. He's on his throne today. He's a sovereign God. He does as he pleases. I'm glad he does. I appreciate the Lord being sovereign, my friend. But we study the sovereignty of God in the exercise of his grace. In our study of the sovereignty of God as manifested in his love, in his power and mercy, we found that God loves those whom he chooses, whom he pleases. That's right. His, he has mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. That's what he said, what Pharaoh, that's what he did with Pharaoh. And listen, listen, he exercises his power towards those whom he pleases according to his own will and his pleasure. Now, man thinks that he has a will, that he can do as he pleases. Did you know your will will be broken before you ever come to bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ in submission? You will. You can't have a, a will of your own in knowing the Lord. No, your will has to be subject to his will. And folks say, well, we have a free will to choose to be saved. No, we don't. We don't have a free will to choose to be saved. You know what our will is free to do? Only to sin. Only to sin. That's right, my friend. It chooses sin every time. When, now we want to just look at the great facts set forth in God's Word, that God is sovereign in the manifestation of His grace towards mankind. When we think of grace, we think of God showing His favor to undeserving, hell-deserving sinners. Grace is just the opposite of justice. I think I told you the little story a few days ago, maybe, or a month or two ago. Maybe you didn't hear it. Out there in the country, in a little country church one night, the pastor asked an old man in the, sitting in the back to say, uh, dismiss the service. And he stood up and he said, oh, God, give us justice. Oh, God, give us. And the man next to it stood up and said, oh, Lord, don't answer that man's prayer. We need mercy. We don't need justice. If we get justice, we're going to hell. That's right. Grace is the opposite of justice. We need, we need grace this morning. And uh, you and I need grace. And that man knew that. That old man was praying for justice. If, if the Lord would have answered that prayer, a uh, fire would have came down and burnt that place up. That's what the justice of God does. It's, it doesn't have any mercy. God's justice shows no mercy, my friend. No. The justice of the God demands the impartial enforcement of the law. No, no, there's no, no partiality in the, in the justice of God. There can be no grace manifested in the justice of God. In other words, there can be no mercy shown in the enforcement of God's law. Now, we have laws here of the land and our courts, and we have some uh, criminal come before the, 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 the law bench, and the judge says, well, his folks have, the, the victim's folks have uh, implored me to have mercy on him. But listen, folks, he don't have the right to do that. The law says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And the, the law here on our book says, 
for murder, it's a death penalty. First degree murder, death penalty. But who who do you see having the death penalty? Not one out of a thousand, not one out of a hundred thousand. No, because these judges show mercy where there is no mercy. The law knows no mercy. Grace cannot flow until justice has been satisfied. Would you get that fact? Would you just wake up there and perk up and listen? Grace cannot flow forth until justice has been fully satisfied. But when justice has been fully satisfied, then grace can go to reign. Then grace can begin to reign. On the other hand, divine grace is not manifested at the expense of justice. Grace reigns through righteousness. And if grace reigns, then grace is sovereign. Listen now. The foundation of the throne of grace is laid in righteousness and justice, according to Psalms 89. In other words, justice having been fully satisfied by the death of Christ on the cross, then grace can reign through righteousness, and therefore grace sits on the throne. That is the only way that God can deal in mercy with a sinner. The question then arises, what is grace? What is grace? You ever asked anyone what is grace? Someone heard me one day speaking of the grace of God and this grace is, and this lady spoke up and said, well, who is grace? I don't know her. No, she didn't know her. She didn't know her. She never did come to know her. She died not long ago, and if the Lord never broke her heart, she went on into hell. But she made fun of the grace of God. She said, who is grace? But listen, what is grace? There's nothing wrong with asking that. The old cornfield definition is that it's the unmerited favor of God. But listen, it's far more than that. It's far more than that, my friend. There must be a positive demerit in the one receiving it. Therefore, grace is honor undeserved. No one is entitled to grace. No one can demand. You can't demand grace. You know how, you, how grace comes? You beg for it. Every sinner who's ever been saved has become a lost sinner, has become a beggar. Just an old beggar sitting on the side of the road like old blind Bartimaeus. That's right. He sat there on the side of the road begging, begging for mercy. Like the old man there at the gate of the rich man. He sat there with his little tin cup. Someone brought him there day by day and put his tin cup there. What was he doing? He was begging. Have you ever been down there in the uh, border towns in Mexico, old Mexico? They bring those blind and crippled and halt there and set them on the side of a, in a corner there on a busy street corner. And when the tourists go by, they hold a hand out with a little cup or a little bottle or jar or something, and folks drop a few pennies in it. That's what they're doing. They're begging. They don't deserve that. You don't owe them anything, but they're begging. And lots of times, uh, folks' heart will be tender, and they'll drop a coin or two there. And listen, God's heart is tender towards you and I, and he brings us to beg for mercy. You, you, can't, you can't sue for mercy. No, my friend, you don't, you don't demand mercy. God bestows his free grace on whomsoever he pleases. As we have said, grace reigns through righteousness. Then if grace reigns through the righteousness of God, because justice has been satisfied in the death of Christ on the cross, then grace is sovereign. God can bestow it on whom he pleases, when he pleases, where he pleases, how he pleases, in what manner he pleases. Therefore, the chief of sinners is not beyond the reach of divine mercy. Oh, my friend, I tell you, day after day, there's no, there's no sinner who's ever strayed too far that grace can't reach down and, and pick him up. That's right. Did you know you have a soul, my friend? It don't matter how far and steeped in sin you are. You have a soul. And listen, listen, 
The chief of sinners is not beyond the reach of divine mercy. There's no hard cases with God. That's one of the greatest truths that I know of, my friend, that I can bring here to my people day by day. Did you know there's no hard cases with the Lord? I have folks who sit here. They're not saved. They tell me they're not saved. They believe they've sinned away their day of grace. They say, oh, pastor, you don't know my heart. Yes, I know it. I know how hard it is because I know mine. But there's no hard cases. Listen, do you ever think about the man in the tomb there at Gadara? I know I'm getting off of our subject this morning, but this is what the Lord laid on my heart. That old boy there in the tomb, he was a, a maniac. He was demon-possessed. And he, he couldn't be bound. They'd bind him with chains and fetters, and he'd tear them off like a shoestring. And uh, listen, but what happened? One day when Christ came there, he, he cast out those devils. Did you know if you're not saved, you demon-possessed this morning? That's right. Oh, you say, oh, Pastor, you know, are you sure? Well, I'm telling you, yeah, you are. You may not manifest it like the old boy there in the tombs. You may be uh, cunning and sly and... and uh, uh, all of those things, you may be a wife beater on the, behind the scene and a church goer on Sunday, but listen to all of that devil possession, demon possession, my friend. Listen, listen, my friend. There's no hard cases with the Lord. Salvation is by grace and holy of grace and solely of grace and fully of grace, and this all excludes boasting. God gets all the glory. You know why? You know why God brings you down? Because that's what God gets the glory. Now listen, friend. This is the different from what the average preacher and average uh, evangelist and church member today call salvation, isn't it? Isn't that right? What is the average? Let me, let me describe what the average uh, experience, as they call it, is. You have, a, you have a man or a woman, boy or girl, who comes to some local Protestant church. They hear a little soft sermon speech, and they tell a little heart-jerking story, and then they say, come on down to the front and give the preacher your hand, and you'll be saved, and this folks know they've been living a wrong life, and they want to they get back closer to God, they say. So they get up and come down to the front, the man and his wife, and maybe a child or two, and the preacher shakes a hand, and he says, now, my friend, you, you all right, you saved now, just go on, live the best life you can. No, my friend, what happened to uh, uh, repentance? What happened to uh, uh, old things passed away and all things become new? That's just a misnomer, my friend. Then you have folks that say, well, come on and be baptized. They sprinkle their babies when they're born or sprinkle them when they're a few days old or they christen them there and then when they're young and they come up teaching them what they call a catechism. They teach them that they're saved and all they got to do is confess to the priest or once in a while to take communion, take all of those. That's not salvation, my friend. No, that's not salvation. Salvation is coming to know the Lord in the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. The Lord told a woman there taken in adultery, he said, uh, who hath condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. He forgave her sins right there. Listen, listen. What they say is, God's salvation through grace to an undeserving, hell-deserving sinner bestowed upon the sinner at God's will is just the opposite of what is preached in the average pulpit today, which says, come on, sinner, trust Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. Give the preacher your hand. Go on, sinner, make a decision. Take a stand for Jesus. Show the world which side you stand on. Have you heard those things, my friend? This puts the sinner's will above the will of God. Brother, there's no such salvation taught in God's word. I'll stake my eternal destiny on that fact. That's right. That's all I have to stake is my eternal destiny, that this is God's word. Man's will can't turn to God. It's depraved. 
Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Listen, folks, my, my friend, God is sovereign this morning. I know I'm all kind of uh, ventilated this morning a little bit, but I hate, I hate this, anything that smells like religion, my friend. It's not religion. It saves you. It's God's. Christ saves a sinner by being born again. Coming to a place of a lost sinner, looking to the Lord, asking the Lord for forgiveness, breaking that heart, and forgiving all of those sins. It doesn't matter if you ever baptized, sprinkled, or whatever, my friend. It don't have anything to do with salvation. It's just a, it's just a, a act of, of, of obedience unto the Lord. This is the old Trailblazer broadcast. Seems like we just got started, don't it? Oh, I wish that we had more time, but this is the old Trailblazer broadcast coming to a close. Goodbye, and God bless you. Remember the old Trailblazer's address? The old Trailblazer, post office box, 1810, Walker, Louisiana, 70785.